Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We're back here on Sports Talk on the Big 870. Mike Detail along with the Cajun Cannon, Bobby Bear, On our Oakland Heart Jewelers Talk and Text line, hosts of Heart in the Paint podcast, David Grubb. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. been a little while since we got a chance to talk. Uh, the nemesis for the Pelicans, they did get a W during the year against Utah Jazz. But, Dave, they have not matched up well in a, in a lot of cases over the last uh, couple years against Utah. But I think tonight's the bounce back. They played a terrible game, and Booker was just unbelievable uh, Friday putting the ball in the hoop. Uh, your thoughts on the matchup between the Pelicans and the Jazz tonight? It's such a very difficult matchup. Number one, uh, because the Jazz are an extremely disciplined team. Yeah, you know they're they're not going to be baited into doing what they don't want to do, and that's been the hallmark of the Utah Jazz going back to the 1980s. Is that they're always going to play disciplined basketball. Um, you look at what they do, and, and since January 1st, they've been the second best team in the NBA. You know, the top ten in offense and defense, and what they're doing is doing a lot of what the Pelicans used to do when they were at their most effective. They're beating people up inside. They're winning on the glass. They're winning on second-chance points. And then they have guys like Laurie Barkinen who can knock down threes, Jordan Clarkson, a guy who can get hot. And so, you know, they've found their rhythm right now. They, they're coming off a loss. But uh, the Jazz have been very, very good since the start of January. And, they, and, again, their front court is also a kind of a problem for the Pelicans. The Pelicans struggle against teams that have a lot of length. And the Jazz do have a lot of length in that front court. You know, David, I'm going to ask you an expert like uh, you about this. Uh, fans have asked me. I said, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to find out, though. Uh, to me, the biggest question right now over the next uh, two and a half weeks is what happens at the center position. I mean, uh, you look at Valanchunas. I mean, he's 31 years of age. Uh, he's a double-double machine. Uh, you can see that uh, game in and game out. Now he's on an expiring contract. Now, do you think they make a move at center and maybe likely uh, to target a player maybe who's younger or more mobile uh, defensively than Valanciunas, uh, maybe like the likes of uh, with Jared Allen with the Cavs, uh, th- that big man? What's your take on that? Because I've always been a Valanciunas fan, but sometimes uh, is, is the fit right and you want to get better defensively? What's your take on that uh, when you look at the trade deadline coming up? It's clear that they are looking uh, for somebody to augment their front court, um, you know, quite frankly, behind Valanciunas, even if you just take him away, you don't really have much back there. Cody Zeller tries hard, but he's not someone that people are going to game plan for. And you always worry about with Larry Nance, whether or not he's going to stay healthy. So 
I think your, your, your question is, you know, which path do the Pelicans want to take if they feel like what they need is somebody better on the bench to be that backup center who gives you a different look, who is more athletic, who can block shots? I think there are options. I think there are guys like Nick Richards uh, at Charlotte, or you could talk to the Pistons. They have a glut of big men in Detroit, and they're not going anywhere. So I think you could find a solid backup. But if you are trying to move Jonas and think about the future, then their names have been attached to guys like Jared Allen in Cleveland and, and also um, Daniel Gafford, who's with uh, the Washington Wizards right now. And I think the goal ultimately is to get someone who's a bit more defensive-minded. Though I think, you know, it's hard to argue with Jonas's production and the fact that he shows up every night. And on a team that lacks a lot of toughness, he is always tough. So I think if you're going to replace him, you better make sure you're getting somebody who's going to be physically able to protect that rim and who can also give you some low post scoring because, quite frankly, there's no one else on the team who you can post up and let score. And I think you need that to balance the offense at times. It doesn't have to be the guy you work through every time, but there are advantages to having him on certain nights. So I think the Pelicans have to be very careful about that. Now, uh, Dave, with that being said, and you named a number of players, uh, another individual I was looking at, uh, what about Orlando Magic, uh, Wendell Carter Jr.? I mean, I was reading where he was like a stout defender, and then he flashes. Uh, he has good ball skills as a passer. He can hit an occasional three. Now he's old. I want to say $12 million next season and right under $11 million the season after that. Uh, would that be a good option? And also uh, the Hawks back up. I don't want to butcher his name. Oaken, uh, Okenwu uh, is another one. Somebody. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so what, what's your take on, on, on those individuals I mentioned? Okenwu is, is, is going to be kind of expensive. Um, I think he's a highly sought-after backup uh, as a guy who's about 6'10 and, and gives you a lot of steals and blocks and has a high offensive upside. Um, but I think the Hawks are trying to make a move, and I think the Pelicans have assets if they want to part with them to be a third team in a deal with Atlanta. Uh, as far as Wendell Carter Jr., I, too, am a fan. I'm a big fan of Wendell Carter Jr. The only problem he's ever had is some staying healthy, but it looks like he's starting to get past that. He's still very young, and as you said, a well-rounded offensive game, but he has been significant as a factor on Orlando's defensive side, and that's what the Pelicans really need is somebody on the interior to intimidate people and to keep people from getting those second-chance points. When they lose games, they lose games on the inside. And, and, and we've seen that lately, these last few losses in particular. They've been beaten on the glass. They've been beaten on those second-chance points. They do need to, to, get, to get more active. And, and when you have a Zion Williamson who gives you three rebounds, you know, that, that, that hurts. And so they've got to make sure whoever they get in the front court is an active player. Now, now, David, how would you break this down uh, to the fans and explain it? I mean, I, I, I kind of understand, and I think the fans could understand this, but I'm looking at, uh, you know, the Pelican starters. Uh, they've beaten teams by an average uh, right at uh, around 11 points per 100 possessions in the first half. But in the second half, they've fallen off, uh, uh, let's say, the, 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 a cliff, uh, getting outscored by over 19, 19.2 points uh, per 100 possessions. Now, look, at, uh, when they struggle, when the starters have struggled on defense, they're allowing 121 points a game per 100 possessions, a mark uh, that is on par uh, with the NBA uh, teams that, that are not very good. So, so what you take uh, all that information I gave right there, how, how do you break that down? And I, I, I know when you break down, when you analyze this, 
that the coaches staff and the organizations are aware of that. But what's your take on that? Uh, that when you look first half versus second half, and all of a sudden maybe why what they've struggled on defense and why are they going to trade that line? So we got to get better defensively. I think you know. I believe defense and rebounding and being stout as a team, I think that's more mental to me than anything that's physical. And I think that if the, the, the things that the Pelicans need the most are not things, that, uh, not people. You can't trade for what they need most. They need heart. They need intensity. They need to be the kind of team that fights every night. And, and I don't think we see that every night out of them. Um, but And, and the, that first unit, I, I'll be quite honest with you, I have still not seen the chemistry between Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson and C.J. McCollum over time that I think you'd expect to have seen by now. Last year, the best we got of Zion was when B.I. was hurt. The best we got of B.I. was when Zion is hurt. And it seems that this season that their offense is very much connected to their defense and their moves are connected to how they perform. And we've seen nights where both of them can be particularly passive and trying to decide who's going to do what. And that passivity, I think, goes over to the other end of the floor. And once they become passive um, defensively, teams are taking it to them, driving right into the heart of that defense and making them work. And when you, we've seen, like when we saw against Charlotte, but Charlotte is a very bad team, we saw Zion, and we've seen B.I. put their, put their um, effort on the defensive end. But most nights, it's inconsistent, and this is not new. I think this is something that we've all been saying, really, since both of them got to New Orleans, is that from a night-to-night basis, your two best players also have to be really good defenders, and the Pelicans' two best players are not particularly good defenders. David, um, looking into the future, you, you broke down the uh, uh, situation between Pels, Jazz, tonight, but, man, they start a three-game series. And next, this coming Friday, they play the Thunder. Then Saturday, they play the Milwaukee Bucks. Now they're going through coaching change. And then the Celtics Monday. Kind of break that down a little bit. That, man, you talk about a meat grinder. You going through it there. Uh, playing the Thunder, the Bucks, and the Celtics all within, what, a four-day period. Yeah, you talk about the second-best team in the West and the top two teams in the East. And all of them are have at least one MVP candidate. So yeah, it's 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 not going to be easy, and particularly with those last two being on the road. And the last time we saw Oklahoma City in the Smoothie King Center, they were kicking the Pelicans out of the playoffs, um, out of the playing tournament. And that team has just gotten better. And I think what what is more daunting to me, and what's more problematic, is the Thunder are younger than the Pelicans. They're a team that could also say you could also say, well, they haven't had a lot of time together. But they found their way, and their best player, uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, plays like their best player every night. And I think that's the thing when you talk about a, a, you know, Jason Tatum in Boston, that he's taken another step this season. Um, and then for Giannis, and I think that's the reason you're seeing a coaching change in Milwaukee, is that Giannis put on an all-time performance last night, and his team barely beats the Pistons. So those are teams that expect to win championships, and losing to the Pelicans doesn't help them do that. So the Pelicans have to be focused and have to play at a higher level than they expect um, than they typically have if you're going to win those games, especially on the road. And the rest of January and into February does not get very easy for the Pelicans. You know, uh, David, when I look at, okay, uh, how can uh, you know, you projected how many wins you're going to get, uh, 48, uh, can you get to 50 wins or, or high 40s? Uh, that uh, if I look at the 21, 22, 22, 23 seasons, uh, this has been monumental. It's been El Succo for the Pelicans. 
uh, like for instance, 21, 22, they were 5 and 10. Last year, they were 3 and 13. So when you talk about their opponents, so it'll be interesting to see heading into February right now, what's all said and done, uh, what that final record will be in January. Absolutely. And, and as you look, as you said, the second half has not been particularly good for the Pelicans either the last two years. They average about 19 wins over their last 41 games. If that's the case, then they're on pace to finish with about 43 or 44 wins this season. I don't think that keeps you in the top four in the, or five in the West. I think that other teams behind them are going to get better. You know the Lakers are going to make some type of trade. I think Dallas, as, as Luka gets healthier again, Dallas is a problem. I think Houston will continue to get better as their young players mesh with their older players. There are some teams that have fallen off, but other teams seem to be getting themselves together, and the Pelicans don't really have the ability to make a major move here in the second half. So they're pretty much going to be who they are outside of maybe a big change at center. David, uh, your thoughts on the development of Jordan Hawkins as a, we see he can shoot the ball. No, they've had fans of, like Mike Singh, David, they come to me. Well, why doesn't Hawkins play, play more? more. Well, one, yeah, yeah. one, he got sent down for a reason, right? He, he got to learn. Yeah. He got to play some defense, at least give some effort on the defensive side. That's why he got sent down. And we've seen a little bit better from that. But somebody who can put the ball in the hoop like he can, Man, he's not doing a lot of sitting. And he don't play like a rookie. Really doesn't. No. He's, he's got so much confidence, David, in his shot. And I think it's more than just confidence in his shot. It's confidence in who he is. Yes. He firmly believes when he steps on the court, he's the best player on the court. And he'd like to see more of that type of arrogance. You know, like he's playing like he's the guy who should, you know, he, he has that look of a guy who should be a lead player. He's playing like B.I. or Zion should play. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, on a nightly basis, Jordan Hawkins is bringing it. And I think you take the guys that you say with the most energy, you know, on a night-to-night basis, I know Jordan Hawkins is bringing it. I know Herb Jones, Dyson Daniels, Larry Nance, and I know, um, you know, even Trey Murphy, who's struggling right now. I know Trey is going to give me everything he has. But my two best players, my tone setters, I don't know on a night-to-night basis. I don't know if they need to be encouraged tonight to play well. I don't know if they have to be told to, to, to get it up. And I think that that is, a, is the biggest problem with this Pelicans team is that, you know, Willie Green said this was the best duo in basketball. And while they are extremely talented, I think you could name 12 to 14 duos right now that are being more productive than they are. The Pelicans are right now the sum of the, greater than the sum of their parts. They're getting great team efforts but they are not getting all-star efforts from Brandon and Zion on a night-to-night basis. David, thanks so much for joining us. Man, always enjoy your insights. Do a great job with it, buddy. Thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Always a pleasure, guys. Thank thanks, you David. so much. David Grubb, a host of Hard in the Paint podcast, talking about the Pelicans. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.